Hello, this is Josh Christman, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 together. Um, I'm so excited to be here with my wife and my dear friend, Pastor Christman, and, um, and I'm just... Uh, I'm just, number one, uh, you know, when we sing about miracles, it's not because we want to sing about miracles. It's because we really believe miracles can happen. And miracles do happen still today. Some people believe, and I believe this or not, some people, some Christians still believe that miracle believe that miracles are supposed to, were just supposed to be in the Bible and miracles don't exist now. Let me tell you something. There's miracles. And there's still miracles happening. You're looking at one of them right there. And... Uh, And I just want to tell you, you can leave here with a miracle. It's not some, some far-fetched thing or some spooky spiritual thing that happens. I'm telling you, if you walked in, I truly believe this. You've come too late to tell me that God doesn't exist because I've seen cancers healed. I've seen diabetes healed. I've seen collapsed lungs healed. I've seen tumors disappear. God is real and he is here today. And before you leave, you can have your miracle. It was in a service just like this. My first time ever preaching at a service. Right when I left Zanesville, my first time, a pastor called me and said, I want you to come preach for me. I said, okay. And uh, back then I was evangelizing. That means I was traveling to different churches full time. And that meant that if you don't do good, you don't get a call back. So you were going to get in trouble. So it had to go good, right? And they called me and they said, hey, will you come preach? And so I preached. And at the end of the message, at the end of the message, a young girl, they brought me back to a young girl about right back there in the, in the auditorium. And they said, uh, she's got a tumor and tomorrow she's going into being, to be operated on. And it's a, and, or they're going to go do an exploratory surgery. Um, it's a tumor the size of a golf ball in her brain that, that they're not sure if they can operate, what to do. They're not sure what they're going to do. And we prayed right there. And I didn't think anything of it. it was in January and February, the youth pastor came up to me and said, Hey, you hear what happened to Sarah? And I was like, what, who? He said, no, Sarah. And I said, who's Sarah? He said, that girl that you prayed for at my church. I said, I prayed for a lot of people at your church. He said, no, the one with the tumor. I said, yeah. He said, they went to go in to do the exploratory surgery, but they did one more x-ray to just make sure that it was still there in the exact location. And the doctor said, who performed your surgery? He took up one x-ray and, and said, this is where it was. He put up the x-ray. He said, this is what was on Thursday, but this is today. There's no tumor. I've come to tell you today that God still does miracles. And if he can put a tumor and he can clear a tumor, he can put your family back together. He can put your home back together. He can put your life back together. He can do it. Look at your neighbor. Point, a, point to him. Give him, the old, give him the old mom long finger and say, he can do it for you. He can do it for you. He can do it for you. Amen. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1. I'm so glad that my wife uh, doesn't get to travel with me a whole lot, but I'm so glad that she's with me girls are here and I just I just love this church my dear friend Corey May good buddy of mine we've been running together uh, for a long time we're, we're a little bit different he's a little bit quieter than me but we always tend to agree on stuff together every time we sit down and talk we're like yep yep you're right so unless he just agrees with me to make myself feel better but other than that or make me shut up one of the two Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 to everything everyone say everything there is a season. Everyone say season. 
and a time to every purpose. Everyone say every purpose. Every purpose means every purpose. Every season. Every season. And a time to every purpose under the heaven. I'm going to preach just for the next little while on this subject. The reason for the season. The reason for the season. Why don't we lay our Bibles down? Let's lift our hands and let's just ask the Lord to speak to us for the next few moments. I don't want you to ask him to speak to the church. I want want you to ask him to speak to you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your presence. I pray that you would minister today. God, minister and touch every person in this room that's walked in here feeling hurt, feeling broken. God, you have the answers today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I'm so proud. Um, As my wife and I affectionately call them, all these Christmas kids. Um, They're doing such a great job. And uh, just love them so much. They're great, great kids. And and I adore them. And and it's, it's cool for me as a youth pastor now. Uh, or as a former youth pastor to see all these kids doing this stuff that, you know, you, that's why we gave our life, you know, to ministry is to see what you guys are doing now. So it encourages me to seeing y'all up here. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 says that to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. We go down to Genesis 37, which I think I mentioned, but Genesis 37 is uh, is is kind of in the middle of the story of Joseph. And I don't want to I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on the story of Joseph, but Joseph was special. Everyone say special. His dad loved him more than all the other kids. So is anybody, so, but he was the youngest. So that's clearly why. If you're an older, if you're an older sibling, you know what's going on when you say that mom and dad love the youngest the most. Can I get an amen in the house from the older siblings? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? That's right. Yep. Here's my brother's, I don't know, 26 years old and he's still the baby of the family. He still gets all the, all the good treatment. But Joseph was the youngest. And scripture says that Israel uh, loved Joseph more than all his children. At least he was honest about it. But he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. I don't want to get into a bunch of scriptural uh, uh, foundational things here and to start out because this really isn't what I'm preaching about. But I want to say that that coat that they made, a coat of many colors, it's not like today you just run down to Target and pick up, you know, the brightest colored outfit you can buy. That's not necessarily, when you say coat of many colors, those were dyed by uh, different uh, techniques and different ways. So there was a lot of effort. Um, I've seen uh, estimations of over a hundred hours being spent on weaving and creating that coat for Joseph, spent on that time. It wasn't just, you just took, took a piece of leather and threw it on, or just took a piece of something and threw it on. It took time to make that coat for his son. And when his, uh, because he was a son of old age, he made a coat of many colors. Verse 4 says, And then his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren. They hated him, and they could not speak peaceably unto him. This Genesis 37, 3 and 4. Then we're going to go to Genesis 23, or 37, verses 23 through 24 here in a moment. And they could not speak peaceably unto him. That's that's uh, King James speak for they just didn't like him and they wouldn't talk to him and they wouldn't be nice. That's the message version. Genesis 23, Genesis 37 and 23, Genesis 37 and 23 says, And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph of the coat. They took the thing. Now here's the thing. They thought that if they took what he had, that they would take the favoritism that was placed on him. They thought, well, if I can take the coat, 
then he won't be dad's favorite anymore. See, that's the way that the world looks at us now. They think if they can take things from us that it's going to hurt us. But I've come to preach to somebody right now in this room. The devil can take away everything that I have, but I'm still going to love Jesus. I'm still the apple of his eye. He still cares about me. And you can hurt me, but you cannot stop me. I'm going to love him no matter what. He said, they stripped him of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. Watch. And they cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. And there was no water in it. You see, Joseph had promise on his life. He had destiny on his life. He had blessing that was on his life. He was set apart. He was anointed. He had uh, uh, authority. He was going to be special. Amen? See, the problem, though, is, is that we think that if we have a destiny, and we've heard so many preachers and so many times I've heard people preach about our destiny and preach about the anointing and preach about all these things that somehow it means that God, that our lives are going to be perfect. That everything is kind of going to go smoothly. You know, it's, it's so easy and it's a common misconception that many of us can buy into and believe so quickly. We hear it in prosperity preaching, you know, all those nice little clips on Facebook where somebody shares a picture of a guy, you know, or a video of a guy talking for two minutes about how blessed we're going to be, you know. And we get so excited about those. Yes, that's right. I'm going to be blessed. And, you know, we, they say so nicely and, you know, so primly and so properly. Well, you know, God just wants us to be happy. And because he wants us to be happy, we'll have everything we want. We'll have everything we desire. And we'll have lots of money in the bank. And, and we'll have everything that we, we desire. And, and happiness is equated by these, these preachers or by these people, by how much money you have in the bank or what types of possessions we have. They say that if we have a relationship with God or a quote-unquote real relationship with God, that we will uh, be blessed and have everything that we've ever desired. It's, but the truth is, is that that is a convenient Christianity with a very easily accessible thought that if I serve God, I'll have lots of things. If I live for God, I will never feel pain. <laughs> if, I, if I do something, you know, I'll, 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 I'll never feel stressed and I'll always be happy. Listen, anybody that says that they're too blessed to be stressed was clearly not a college student or a parent. I don't know about you, or a youth pastor, I'm, trust me. I'm stressed sometimes. Anybody else in here get stressed? Anybody else have real life? Anybody think that, you know, anybody come home and think, man, I hope that bill doesn't show up in the mail today? <laughs> Let's get real here for a minute. I, don't, I know we're shouting and dancing, but we're real people up here. I, I experience some stress. I, I know what that's like. See, the problem is, is that we've built in culture and society today. We've built the concept that says that if something is making me uncomfortable, how could God do this to me? If something is making me sad or is making me uncomfortable, then, then it must mean that I've done something wrong. And if that's true, if something is making us uncomfortable or, or some of us are feeling stressed or whatever it may be in this room or we feel the pain of rejection or the pain of finding out that a loved one has a disease or whatever those things may be that we think that it's somehow God's judgment. But I've come to preach to you today that it is not God's judgment, but it could be the very thing that could push you into what God has for your life. 
Because here's the thing. Kingdom values are the exact opposite of world values. There is no corporate ladder in the kingdom. Significance in the kingdom does not come from money. It doesn't come from possessions and having lots of things and having everything that you've ever desired in a six-car garage with at least one Porsche inside of it. That's not the way that it works. Significance in the kingdom comes from serving. Scripture says he that loses his life will find it. And I may not have a bunch of things and I may not have a bunch of possessions and I sure don't have a lot of money in the bank but I can tell you today from the outset of this, this message that God loves me and God cares about me and my happiness will not be dependent on what I have. And your happiness doesn't have to be contingent on the situation that you're in. Now, here's, here's the deal. Can I just be real with y'all for a minute? Let me unbuckle. Let me, let me do this. All right. Now, let's get real, okay? Zanesville Tony going to talk to you for a second. All right? I like... I like I, 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 have, I have social media, okay? And the re there's a reason why I like social media. There's two reasons why I like to, to, to get on space, Facebook especially. Number one, it lets me know that I'm not the worst speller in the world. Like, there are people out there that is worse than me. There are people, listen, I've seen some stuff, but I also ordered about 50,000 flyers that said Old Time Tent Revile on it. It was supposed to be Revival, so... Almost got fired for that one. Hopefully we're over that. And um, I, so it lets me know. It just boosts my self-confidence, you know. And the other thing that I do is, um, is it, just, it just lets me know that my life isn't as bad <laughs> as some other people. It just, you know, listen. Y'all know that one person that you should probably just hide or not look at anymore, but you just log on every day to see what crazy thing they're going to say next just to make yourself feel better. Don't pretend like you're holier than y'all are. Listen, y'all know you get on, what are they going to say next? Oh, my life isn't that bad. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, you know, I could be them. <laughs> but I, uh, I read a Facebook post by, I mean, a Pentecostal, an apostolic person that said this. Um, it said, uh, and I'm going to read it to you because I promise you this is exactly what it said. God doesn't want us to suffer. He doesn't want us to go through pain and he wants our lives to be truly perfect. He just wants us to be happy. You ever have that moment where you think, should I or shouldn't I? And so you've got like the angel and the devil on your shoulder and go, and I got a little bit of sarcasm in me. Somebody told me one time that's the lowest form of humor, but that's all I've got, so you're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> and so I just wrote, tell Joseph that, who got cast into a pit with promise on his life. And then I thought, tell Paul that, who had a thorn in the flesh, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but who had a thorn in the flesh sent from Satan, something that, that the enemy sent to him to stop him. Better yet, tell anybody that's ever been used of God that. Because if you truly want to be used by God, you're going to go through some things. 
And I know this isn't the cool evangelist thing to say when I come and preach at a church, but you hear me. If you'll let your mindset change on some of the things that you're going through, you'll realize it's not the enemy's job or enemy's purpose to destroy you. It's God's purpose to develop you into making you into what he wants you to be. So you might be going through some trials and you might be going through some circumstances, but I've come to tell you today that it's not God's judgment. It's his push to your promise. It's not God hating you. I realize you grew up in a broken home. I realize that your family may be broken, that you might not have any answers, but you hear me. It's not because God doesn't love you, but that can be the very thing that pushes you into the destiny that God has for you. It can be the very thing that puts you where God wants you to be. You see, the problem is, is we think that if it's good, then it's from God. If it makes me feel good, then it's from God. If it's bad, then it must be from the devil. I think it's funny to hear people talk about seasons when they change. Anybody, and this is kind of a nice day, but it's a little rainy, but we'll, we'll take it. It's not snow. Anybody else tired of snow, tired of this winter? You ever notice like that Easter, Easter, you know, the, the, uh, the person gets up to open service and prayer. And what's the first thing they say? Lord, thank you for this beautiful day, God. God, oh, Lord. It's always, you ever notice Easter is always like the first Sunday that's nice throughout the year. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like, ah, you just get outside and you don't feel like you're going to have a heart attack walking outside because, or your eyelids are going to freeze or something, you know. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. God, we just want to thank you, God, for, God, I saw some lilies sprout in my garden this morning. Lord, we just want to thank you, God, for the blessings. But you know what you never hear? Oh, God, thank you, thank you, God, for the 75 inches of snow we got. God, I want to thank you that we had to quarantine for 16 days, and then we had a seven-day snow break. God, I want to thank you for 21 straight days with my heathen kids. God, I want to bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Why? Why? Because we want to thank God for what makes us feel good. But scripture says to everything there is a season. I've come to tell you right now, it might not make you feel good what you're going through right now. But if you hear this preacher preach to you with everything I've got, even though it doesn't make you feel good, you've got to understand that it's what God's using to push you to him. It's what God is using to pull you out. I've come to tell you that you've got destiny on your life. You've got a special anointing on your life. Every person, take your hand on your chest. Say me. You have an anointing on your life. You have a special destiny that God has on your life. And I've come to tell you, it's not that you come up with a broken home. It's not that you'll be addicted to drugs. It's not that you'll be addicted to alcohol. But the destiny is that you can be used by God to build his kingdom and to build his purpose. You hear me? You can't have a happy family. You can't have a happy life. You don't have to be miserable. You don't have to be stuck. You don't have to be broken. Because everything... being persecuted by Agrippa in 2 Corinthians 12, 6 through 8. We find that he writes, I'm not sure if we can get that up there. If not, that's okay. But 2 Corinthians 12, 6 through 8 says, For I would desire to glory. I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. That is like a lot of setting up. He's like, listen, I'm setting this conversation up, Paul's writing. To the church. He's writing to the church. But now I forbear. This means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how I feel. 
lest any man should think above me that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted, verse 7, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations. Boy, that sure would be a, a really nice problem for a preacher to have. <laughs> I got the opposite. I mean, good Lord, give me some more revelations. That'd be good. He said, lest I should be exalted above revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet, not buffet, buffet me. Buffet may work. To buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. He said, there was something put in my, in my body, his physical body. There's so many things that it could have been. It could have been a disease. It could have been physical ailments. Who knows what it could have been? I, there's so many things. But I can tell you this assuredly, that there was a devil. There was the, the enemy came into Paul's life. One of the most uh, influential writers, maybe the most influential writer, especially of the New Testament, maybe of all, in all of Scripture. He said, I, there was something that the Lord allowed into my life. For the purpose, if there's a place that I need to be, Scripture says that lest I should be exalted above measure, meaning he had somewhere that he needed to be, but it wasn't his time. So there was something placed in, Paul, in, in Paul's physical body that hurt him, that stopped him from getting to where he needed to be. It just was a process. See, today's culture, we want to we want a microwave spear chat. Boom. Everything's perfect. But you'll have life to deal with. You'll have circumstances to deal with. You'll have struggles to fight with. Acts 26, 1 and 2. Paul is now being uh, uh, persecuted. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for that. So he's being judged by Agrippa. And he looks at him and he says, Paul, you're permitted to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. This is him being persecuted. Him being judged. Him being looked down upon. Anybody ever felt that way before? Anybody ever felt like you were being in the middle of a trial? In the middle of a trial. Struggling. What am I going to do? And Paul looks at Agrippa. Looks at his judge. Looks at his situation in the face. And he says, I think myself happy King Agrippa you know what he did he looked at his situation in the face and he said I know I'm being judged I know the circumstance that I'm in I know what I'm dealing with but I'm going to look you in the face and say I choose my response to the pain can I tell you, you cannot stop hurt from coming, but you can stop how you respond. You can control how you respond. You can either be a victim or you can be a victor. And can I tell you today that there's some people that walked in this room, you've been a victim. You felt hurt. You walked in moping. You walked in hurt. You walked in here with no hope and no answer. But I've come to tell you today that all sometimes you need is a divine revelation from Jesus Christ that says, I am not a victim, but I can come out victorious. And you might have walked in here broken, but you can walk out of here made whole. You might have walked in here with a disease, but you can walk out of here without it. Because there's a reason for your season. You know why the, you know why the promised land was so powerful? Children of Israel were kept in Egypt. It was a flat land. 
You know why the promised land was so incredible? Is the promised land was a mountainous terrain. It had peaks and it had lows. But when they were in captivity, if you ever see pictures of Egypt, it's just flat and some pyramids. Because the place of captivity was a place where there was no, there was no nourishment there. I was going to preach about it today, but I felt the Lord change me. But I just want to kind of highlight something real quick here. And so they would go in and they would have to, how would they get water in the middle of a desert, right? That would be confusing. But they would take water and they would t- go to the Amazon and they would drag, literally drag their feet. And that's the irrigation system of how the, the children of Israel, the slaves, would, would get water to plants. As they would have to just literally drag their feet and get water to that area. But the promised land, the land that God had promised to them, Scripture says it was flowing with milk and honey, meaning that it was sweet and it was nourishment. It was everything that they needed. Land flowing with milk and honey. But that land, the reason why it would flow is because there were mountaintops and there were valleys. Can I tell you that even in the middle of your circumstances, even in the middle of your promised land with God, even in the middle of God doing some great things, you're going to have some mountaintops and you're going to have some valleys. But there's purpose in all of it. But there's purpose in everything. you got to take advantage of the season that you're in. You ever notice the seasons in Ohio? Clearly, we live here. The seasons could be one day. It could be 70 one day and then 20 and snowing the next. So we experience all seasons in a week probably. You ever notice though, in the winter, what happens to the leaves on the trees? They fall off. Why? Because the strength goes to the root system. And the reason for the season of winter is that the roots dig deep. And they're not worried about what they're producing, but they're just planting roots. And the roots are getting stronger. Can I tell you that there's some folks in here, I felt the Holy Ghost prompt me as soon as I walked in this room, that some of you were going through winter, and some of you were dealing with some things that you don't understand why you're dealing with. If you could just hear me just for the next few moments to tell you that if you'll look at this season, not as what you can produce, not as what's happening on the outside, but if you'll realize that what's happening in your life right now is you're planting roots. So when the season comes, when spring comes, you can produce, but right now you might be going through something, but you've got some roots to plant. You've got some roots to dig into. You say, devil, you can throw at me whatever you want. You can throw at me wind. You can throw at me seasons, but I'm digging my roots. I'm not moving. You can hurt me, but I've got a root system that digs deep. I've already been through some things, devil. You can't stop me. You can't pull me out now. I'm not just preaching something for fun right now. I hope you hear me. I know what it's like to go through winter. I don't know if you can get my get Viv. I know what it's like to go through winter. Forgive me for sharing a personal story, but it's just kind of what... I feel to share with you right now. Six is your Christmas gift. Viv, my little girl, Sadie, was, uh, woke me up. She had gone through some complications in her pregnancy. My wife woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning, so I knew something was serious. Because I love my beauty sleep. She woke me up, she said, babe, I am, I've been in labor. She said, I, I think I'm having Braxton Hicks, which is, but we found out later the, doc, the doctor said, they were five minutes apart, four minutes apart. 
two minutes apart. We went straight to the doctor. We found out very quickly that um, it was very serious. My wife was 23 weeks in one day. 23 weeks is what they call the age of viability. If you're in the medical profession, you probably know what I'm talking about here is that the age of viability is if you're born before 23 weeks, <clears throat> they won't try to resuscitate. They won't try to make you live. Hey, baby. That's my little girl right there. And uh, they said, you've got 23 weeks and one day. They said, we will try to resuscitate this baby. The doctor pulled, pulled us off to the side. It's a long story, and, and uh, I don't even know. I think you all might have been at the church that day we were working on it. Matter of fact, Pastor Cody, who I'm sure you all know, Pastor Cody came up to my wife and said, you look terrible. It's just because when you're friends, you can just look at people and say, you look really bad. She was gray. I had no idea, but what was happening that night was she had completely lost. Her placenta had completely abrupted, completely torn. There was no abruption. It was just a complete tear from top to bottom. She was bleeding out on the inside, and Vivi, my, my daughter, was actually being suffocated by the blood that she was losing, so they were both dying simultaneously. The doctor came to me and she said, now, uh, of course, my wife didn't know this at the time, but she said, has your wife made her wishes known? We'd had some conversations previously, and I said, you know, we, we don't want to get there, and so we kind of had some conversations about that, and then they pulled us off, my wife and I, to the side. They said, first, you need to understand that this baby is being born at 23 weeks. She said that there is, the doctor told us, sat us down, she said, you need to understand that there is about a 10% chance to make it out of the operating room alive. She really, the baby actually has about a 5% chance to live outside of a couple days. And uh, my wife and I uh, wanted to keep, not my wife, my wife, not me and my wife, my wife only wanted to keep the gender of the baby a secret, but I knew it was going to be a girl. And we had went and decided some names, and one of those names, she had named all these different names, and one of the names was Vivi. She's like, what do you think about Vivi? I'm like, what do you think about something else? Is there another one on the list? I think you got a book of like 30,000 names. Pull that app up, to put another V in, and see what comes up. She's like, no. So I just kept thinking, you know what? I, I kind of like that name. We would go through all the other ones, and they were worse. So I'm like, let's just go back to Vivi. I said, let's look it up and see. I'm not one of these people that typically look up and see what names mean, but I, I just thought, let's go see what it meant. This is before we ever had a complication, before we ever had a circumstance, before we ever had a problem. That name, Vivi, meant life. So before there was ever a complication, before there was ever an issue, before there was ever anything that ever happened, her name that we picked out, which was going to be a girl, it was the only time in my marriage that I've been correct in nine years. We knew that her name was going to be Vivi which means life. It's like vivacious or vivid. You think of full of. Her name literally means full of life. And I looked at my wife in that conversation, that same conversation where we picked her name, and the Lord just prompted me. And I said, babe, you ever hear that conversation where you say, well, I don't care what we have as long as the baby is healthy. And I said, and I appreciate that conversation, but really I want the baby that God has given us. And so if our baby has to have some struggles, then, then truly that means that God trusts us to be stewards of that little girl's life or that little baby's life. And, and I want to I be stewards of that. So if we go through some circumstances, that's okay because that means God trusts us with that baby's life. Little did we know that that conversation would change our lives forever. When I'm driving up 70, matter of fact, we were driving here on 70 and saw a, a, an ambulance going the same way. Um, on 70 as we saw that day and it just took our minds back to when she was riding in the back of that ambulance and I was trying to follow in my Jeep Cherokee as fast as I could 
And uh, I remember thinking, what, what could we do? And the doctor pulled us off to the side. She said, Anthony uh, and Mrs. Nutter, you need to understand something. It's a 10% chance to live, 5% chance to make it out of the operating room. It's a 5% chance, but you need to understand there is every strong and high likelihood that this baby will have cerebral palsy. This baby will have severe brain damage because they're not meant, I mean, 23 weeks in one day, literally. Matter of fact, in the hospital, the, the, a week later, there was a 22-weeker that they just let lay on the, they let lay on the table and die. And so, literally a week later, am I right, babe? One week later? 22 weeks and five days, so a three-day difference. You're talking micropreenies, literally every hour is important when it comes to micropreenies. And um, they said, you know, vision is likely going to be gone. They're not going to have likely any vision. Um, went through all the list. Very likely that she could be a vegetable. Not just possibly, I mean very likely that she could be a vegetable. Um, every strong possibility was that she wasn't going to function. She wasn't going to be able to have a normal life in any normal capacity. But I looked at that doctor because before we ever went through a trial, God gave us a word. And I said, if it's a little girl, we're going to name her Vivi and her name means life. And before we ever went through a, before an issue, before we ever went through a circumstance, God gave us a promise that she was going to have life. And so we're going to do, and she said, you can, she said, it's, it's, it's totally legal. It's totally fine. You can just take, take her up and give her comfort care. I said, what does that mean? They said, well, you would just wrap her up in a blanket and just let her pass because of all the circumstances that could happen to her. It's just, she could live a terrible life the rest of her life. I looked at her in the face and I said, God gave us a promise and we're going to do everything we can to give that baby a chance. I was a preacher. I was traveling across the world. Literally, literally. I mean, I, it was, it was the craziest time of my life. I couldn't keep my schedule uh, open. I mean, I just was traveling everywhere. I had everything going for us. But life still happens. Circumstances will still happen. I watched as they, they birthed my little baby. You can show that first picture. They took that baby out of my wife's womb and they, my baby, the baby wasn't screaming. Vivi wasn't screaming. They took her and they put her in a little trash bag. She wasn't yelling. Or, she was just lifeless. One pound, seven ounces, and 11 inches. She was this big. Her head was smaller than a baseball. And I looked and I actually had to ask him. I said, is, is she dead? Is she alive? She wasn't making she wasn't making any movements. And uh, you can show a couple of their photos. And that was her there uh, a couple days after she was born. And, uh, I mean, when I tell you that she was this big, she was this big. There's, there's a, that's a very small nurse, and that's her hand around her head. So tiny. Can I tell you today? You can bring her to me. Come here, baby. Vivers, hey, you can come see daddy. You know, they told me she'd never walk. Because when the doctor said you got no chance, when the world told me I had no chance, there was a God that said, I've given you a promise and your destiny is greater than the reports. Can I tell you today that there's a God that loves you and even though you're experiencing pain and circumstances, he still cares. Why don't you stand right now, clap your hands and love the Lord right now. I've come to tell you today 
they took my little girl and we spent seven months in the hospital. Can I tell you, Ambassador, we've actually had this conversation before and through his uh, circumstances and everything that he went through. Can I tell you today that I wouldn't want you to experience what we went through, not, not for anything. But can I tell you I wouldn't trade this experience for anything. Because the season... I used to say all the time, I'm never leaving Zanesville. Listen, I had the I had the cush job. I was Aaron Bounds youth pastor. I could preach wherever I wanted, do whatever I wanted. Had a house, just bought a house. Everything was perfect. I always said, there's two things. I said, I'll never be an evangelist and I'll never plan a church. That turned out really good. <laughs> but it took a winter in my life to make me not care about the stuff that I wanted. To change my priorities and say, I gotta plant some roots. And the reason why there's a church in Pickerington, why we have 30 people show up every Sunday, the reason why God is doing amazing things there, and the reason why all these things are happening in our lives now is because we went through a winter that shaped us. Isn't she pretty? You know, every doctor that sees her pulls us off to the side and said, there's that little miracle, baby. That She shouldn't even be walking. As a matter of fact, matter of fact, we had a doctor pull us off to the side. It was her, it was her last pulmonary appointment after another perfect heart cath or another uh, uh, heart, checking her heart, her EKG. After another perfect one, he said, can I just talk to you? He said, I'm, now that I'm done, I'm no longer officially your doctor. He said, but I do just want to ask. He said, we are, I'm a member of a group of doctors that are pro-life, and we want to try to change the way that people think about premature babies. He said, would you be willing to share Vivi's story with the group of professional doctors in New York City about her and how special she is? Because it might look like winter now, but there's a spring that's on its way. There's some fruit that's going to be given to you. There's some things. Because there's nothing. Can I tell you that I couldn't have made it through? Everybody asks me all the time. I can't. I don't know how you're going through it. Let me tell you how I went through it. I had a relationship with God. I was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That precious gift of the Holy Ghost. I was baptized in Jesus' name. I repented and asked God to forgive me of my sins. Let me tell you something. When, you, when Jesus comes in your life, Scripture says, it's a peace that passes all understanding. You know what that means? If peace passes understanding, that means that peace ends. Or the understanding ends somewhere. And that means that peace begins where understanding ends. When you can't make sense of it anymore, that's when God specializes in doing his best work. Why do I have this disease? I can't tell you. Why is my family broken? I can't tell you. Why am I going through? Why am I battling with addictions and struggles? I can't tell you why. What I can tell you is there's a reason for the season. And the very thing that the devil sent to hurt you could be the very thing that God uses to make you. Amen. 
Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church of Cambridge podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly sermons. If you are in the Cambridge area, we invite you to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Again, thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.